Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Talk about some damn, it's not even going to record for me. Anyway, you know what I have a problem with? I have a problem with, like, men who have never healed. And they, like, still take out their aggressions and their microaggressions against women who aren't the women that affected them in their lives. It's, like, really crazy. Like, think about it. There's this video on Twitter or what have you, and they were just, this guy, this girl said something. And you know how on TikTok you can respond to it with another video? Child, he was yelling in his car. Like, really screaming. I mean, I was nervous because I'm like, why is he so, why is he screaming? What's the reason for him screaming? I don't know. I don't get it. But at the same time, it was like certain men don't know. They the Certain men just never healed, y'all. I mean, let me say this. If you are, I want to say in your mid-20s and you have yet to excuse me, if you're in your mid-20s and, you know, early 30s or what have you, and you're still feeling the trauma that you felt from a child that women had brought on to you, whether if it was your mother, whether if it was your sisters, whether if it was your grandmother, somebody, a woman in your family that had put some trauma onto you, seek therapy and help. Same thing for my women out there. If you feel as though there is a man that traumatized you, that made you feel insecure, that made you feel less than, and now you see every man as that same man, seek help. Honestly, my black brothers and sisters, (laughs) I think it's time we go and get the professional help that America has tried to keep us far away from for as long as they did. Now, I'm not saying nothing's wrong with praying about it. Praying about it helps, but it doesn't help everybody. Let's say if you're a non-religious person and, you know, you don't see prayer as a tool for healing, you actually may need to set up an appointment and go talk to somebody. And that's okay. Don't listen to your family members who for generations say, well, you go to therapy, you're a crazy person, da, da, da. I'll be real with y'all. My parents, that's why I appreciate them so much. My parents, when I was younger and I was going through depressive times, my mom put me in therapy ASAP without a question, without no or anything. And I saw nothing wrong with it. And then when I got into middle school and I was diagnosed with ADHD, she sent me to a psychiatrist and she sent me to them to me, for me and my brother, not just me. My brother was younger. He went to a psychiatrist as well for his ADD. So my parents did the right thing in making sure that we had a therapist. If we couldn't talk to them about some things, I would find comfort in talking to a therapist about it. Now, all I'm going to say is this is 2022. We are here. We are live. Y'all get the proper help that y'all need, okay? I understand that you may feel shy or you may feel self-conscious or you may just feel a little bit you know, you you may not feel the best about doing it, but it'll help out in the long run, all right? All right, so let's get into this bonus episode. It's the first bonus episode of the season, y'all. We about to really get into it now. What's poppin', what's fly? We good.
Welcome to another episode of an AOS production. What's it called? What is it called, you may ask? Whatever the fuck you want it to be called. Because we've been doing this shit since October now. So y'all should already know what the fuck is good. Alright? I've been going for too long. Now it's time I bring it back. I've been going for too long. Now it's time I bring it back. But yeah, yeah, you like it when I move to the beat like that. Got that boom boom in your truck. Got the speakers going up. Give me that bass. Mind you, this episode, um, the volume is up. My mic is on. So I'm going to be just a little bit louder than usual. So headphone users, be aware. And beware, because... Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So for this episode, I wanted to do something different. As you heard in the intro, well, as you heard in the prologue, excuse me. This is going to be a bonus episode, my first bonus episode... I understand y'all want me to do more music reviews, which I will. I just wanted to do this review especially on this documentary series that I was watching. So, for those who don't know me at all, and for those who know me personally, the ones who know me personally, y'all know that I am a old soul. Okay? Like, bitch, I am an old fucking soul. Like, real fucking rap. Real fucking talk. Like, real, 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 real shit. Real, 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 real shit. Like, all I listen to, my whole playlist is nothing but funk. Not really doo-wop. Doo-wop I could bump to, but it's not really on the doo-wop level. But it's funk. Okay, the golden age of hip-hop. Gangsta rap from the 90s. Okay? And the pop girls. Okay? Okay. So, speaking of... So, I was watching this documentary... Jesus Christ. <laughs> I flicked my headphone. I thought it took out my ear. My bad. So I was watching this documentary and it was by Vice. And the documentary is called The Dark Side of the 90s. Now, I'm at work. Usually when I'm at work, I be trying to find some things to watch while I work. I can't help it. I, I multitask like that. Like I can't just be in there not listening to anything. I could listen to either a person talking with visuals, or I can also just watch, like listen to music. But even so, with the music, I usually like to do that on my commute because you know when I'm commuting, I gotta move. I don't got time to be looking at my phone, you know. So I like to listen to music when I'm um, commuting versus where I'm at work. I will watch a little documentary or two, or maybe a little mafia movie or two. The real ones, no. Just saying, FYI. So I was watching The Dark Side of the '90s, and it's a 10 episode series. And within the 10 episode series, it talks about things that I knew about but didn't know in depth, okay? It talks about certain things that my young ass, I was too damn young to even remember. I mean, I was born in 97, so I only, what, (laughs) I I left the 90s at two years old and only had and I became three in 2000. So, I mean, I really wasn't, I was literally a 90s baby, but I was a millennial, uh, millennial kid. I was 2000s kid. 
plain and simple. So, let's go to the episode list. So, I really went in depth with this episode because at the same time, I wrote a whole damn list of like bullet points for each episode and why I found it so freaking cool. Kid you not, guys. Like, I... I I really went all out for y'all on this one. I hope y'all really like it. Like, for real. Like, I hope y'all like hearing me talk and everything. Like, for real. Because if you don't, go suck your mother. Like, for real. So, now we ain't going to tell nobody to suck their mother. We don't do that over here, you know. Anyway. So, the first episode was called Trash TV, Dirty and Deadly. And the, um episode description says as 90s talk tv evolved from the cerebral donahue to the trashy jerry springer the new format fused combusted relationship shock and violence to entertain the masses so with this first episode when i tell you guys so many fun facts i mean (laughs) so many fun facts i found out within the goddamn um in that circuit so for those who don't know, Donahue was like in the 80s. Excuse me. Donahue was like a talk show host in the 80s. We're not talking about the late night talk show host. We're talking about the day that um TV daytime, like Oprah, Montel, um, Donahue. Those were the daytime talk show hosts. Now, when daytime TV became trashy or became at least like a lot of hoopla, it wasn't jerry just yet i will go back and say it was geraldo if y'all don't know y'all want to see some funny ass shit y'all want to see some real funny ass shit like for real for real <laughs> look up the geraldo brawl out on youtube g-e-r-a-l-d-o brawl out you won't regret it <laughs> you will not regret it because that joint is priceless and it literally the host of the show Geraldo himself got his nose broke because somebody threw a chair so in that episode he basically had um white supremacists on there with black men so y'all already know how that went down and (laughs) I remember the white supremacist he was a young kid he said something the black man stood up and you you see his hand just shaking and then he just strangled the fuck out that white boy and then that's when everybody was just like hold up hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold on so after that that's when tv for daytime tv i should say became like a whole different ball game now enter jerry springer now here's a fun fact i bet none of you guys knew because i didn't know and i asked my co-workers around me did you know this did you know this they both said no so i'm like oh well shit I don't think anybody knows that. So before Jerry Springer became literally to me the king or the reigning king of trashy daytime television. Now, y'all got to remember, I wouldn't say now because I don't know a lot of people that still watch Jerry. He's still on. He's a judge now. But I don't know a lot of people that still watch the Jerry Springer show faithfully like we did when we were little home from school on a Monday morning because you had Maury jerry and then on locals for those who know know and you had that lineup but this is when you know the 90s was like early 90s we talk about early 90s and shit and it was just crazy you never saw nothing like it people just going on the show to be 
either to be a star for 15 minutes or to be humiliated for another five years. So a fun fact about <laughs> the fun fact about Jerry Springer is that he was a mayor of Cincinnati. Real rep, Jerry Springer was a mayor of Cincinnati in the 70s, but because he had to resign due to the fact that he was in a scandal involving a prostitute because he had signed a check to her as a form of payment and it traced back to him. So he had to resign. So this man been in scandals since, all right? And ever since then, it has been game on. So for his first season, he had, um, he was like a regular talk show regular regular talk show host like look it up regular it is on hulu by the way if you guys want to see this series like it gets better in each episode i will say um he was very much so like a real 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 calm like donahue he was trying to be like donahue with the suit glasses hair cut clean like he was coming from corporate and just talking to people with the cue cards in his hands like he does now but you know and then after that first season, the producers were like, no, this isn't going to work. So they let him come in, you know, regularly, calm, cool, comfortable. And ever since then, it's just been hoopla, 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 okay? Hoopla, blah, 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 because... Now, it did say in that episode with people, the people that they bring on to the show, they did, in fact, say that it was more so... They got humiliated while being on that show. And what was crazy about that is that as they were getting humiliated, the producers did feel bad for them, but they didn't feel totally bad for them, if that makes sense in any type of way. The producers really just wanted the ratings. And as for those who know and those who really care to watch television, y'all know these producers really don't care about much. They just want them ratings out. They want them ratings. They don't... Can you cry for us? How about this? You know, just keep your face like that. Like, if you look at the episode, they really do say that they wanted the guest on the show. Like, say if they got hit with a pie or say if they got hit with, got a big knot on their face or something. You got to keep them like that in that state, you know? So that was crazy. So as the time Jerry Springer is rising and becoming literally the king of trash talk primetime television, you have other hosts. So, you know, after some time, as things rose, you had the Jenny Jones show. And I didn't know, I don't really know much about Jenny Jones. All I know is from what they said in the documentary is that she was on a cooking show She had a cooking show, and then out of nowhere, she just did daytime talk television. And ever since then, it was like, just kind of downhill from there. I'll explain. So, with that being said, so on the show of Jenny Jones, she decided to bring a guest on her show by the name of 
I'm sorry, I'm trying to find his name. I'm going to just edit this out. I'm going to have to. Jonathan Schmitz. So, according to the murder, and he... Yeah, so, let me rewind that back. So, Jenny Jones was a cooking show host. And then from cooking show, she went to daytime talk television. And then from there, she had brought on a man by the name of Jonathan Schmitz, who was a guest on her show. Now... This was at the time, at least with Jerry Springer, the difference between Jerry Springer and Jenny Jones is that with Jerry Springer, he brought people on the show knowing who was going to be there, what was up, what's going on. The, The guests knew this was like the guests knew what they were in for. They just had to prepare for it. Whereas for the Jenny Jones show, she brought Jonathan Schmidt, which was a heterosexual man onto the show without knowing anything that was going to happen so he did not know that a man that he knew scott amador was going to be on there um excuse me y'all a gay man openly gay man was going to be on there to confess to jonathan schmidt that he had feelings for him the only problem was jonathan schmidt did not know any of this he just got flown out Told you gonna be on TV. I boom. Remember, this is the 90s. You know how many people were so gullible before these came out? I was tapping on my phone if y'all didn't know what I was trying to do. Or before the internet got advanced. So you know what I'm saying? Um, so after that, he basically sold Jonathan Schmidt three days after he was on a talk show. He went to Scott Amador's house and he shot him. And shot him. And he recently just got out of jail. I will say he was sentenced, I think, to 22 years. And he recently just got out. But unfortunately, after that, that's when a lot of people were looking at Jerry. And they were looking at the real, the real, the talk shows who do, who did do Trashy and who did have any and everybody on their show including Oprah at the time, but after that Jenny Jones show murder case happened, Oprah was not bringing on regular people on her show, which she wasn't. If you really look at the 80s, excuse me, if you look at the 80s, Oprah had people, had regular people on her show versus where you transition to the mid 90s, I want to say. That's when she started bringing on all the celebrities. Like she was still bringing on celebrities but in the early 90s late 80s she had her celebs and then she had her regular guests but after some time it was nothing but celebs like nope i'm not dealing with it just put celebs on my um page on my show so montel he had cleaned up his act i mean i even cleaned it up montel wasn't really raunchy but he did have to like tighten up like all the daytime talk show hosts had to really tighten up their act because of what happened with these murders so well what happened with this murder i should say um city of chicago because that's where jerry springer's film they tried to um put him through the loop and try to get him banned from television or try to at least put a put a put a book on him in the case because they wanted to say if a person fights on television that is considered assault 
and a person like that sh- and the person who's hosting it should be fined because all because Jenny Jones did not feel like she was at all in the wrong for setting this man up to be like bombarded like this on television um so that was and if you know now you know Jerry's still on the air I mean I give the man credit you know I Let's really think about it. You, you gotta give this guy credit. I mean, this guy's been around since... Shit, generations before me. I'm talking... Yeah. Yeah, I know my older cousins and my sister could sit up there and say, Oh, yeah, I remember going home to watch Jerry Springer after school. I know they could tell me that. Anyway. Our next episode would be talked about... Our next episode sits up there and is titled The Viper Room, um, Hollywood Sanctuary. And this is episode two. Now, with this episode, it intrigued me only because I heard of The Viper Room, but I didn't know in depth what The Viper Room was. I didn't go into detail of what The Viper Room truly was about. (laughs) So... At the same time, looking at this episode and realizing what it was about was just crazy. So, for those who are not familiar, um, they called it Young Hollywood's Hideaway. The Viper Room was basically a club from the early 90s, late, late 80s to early 90s. And the popularity went down once the late 90s came around. Because that was a total change. Like, what people don't understand is that when... And I'll get into that episode later. I'm just saying, when... The grunge era took a hit, they took a hit. (laughs) So, after that era had quieted down... But it's still live, don't get me wrong it's still live their culture is still a part of other cultures today but as you may know once that level went down that's when the pop era came up up so i digress but the viper room is mainly known for the death of river phoenix for those who don't know if you ever saw the movie stand by me by it's a stephen king book but if you ever saw the movie stand by me It takes place in the 50s. It's about those four boys, I guess, that go and try to find a dead body or something like that in the woods. I never saw it, but I saw, like, the little Family Guy spoof of it, which was kind of, like, kind of funny. So, he was in that, and he has plenty of uh, siblings. For those who may know, his younger brother, Joaquin Phoenix, the one who played Joker recently in, um joker film that's his old that was his older brother so you know looking at it it intrigued me a lot because like i said it was young hollywood so when i say young hollywood i'm talking about johnny depp johnny depp wasn't as popular like he is now like he wasn't jack sparrow or he wasn't um freaking um Willy Wonka he wasn't the actor that my age group knows now but he was 
the young heartthrob. He still looks good. Don't get me wrong. Him and my mom are the same age. They both look great. And I'm happy that he's actually gone past what um, his ex-wife had put him through, which I'm glad he jumped over that hurdle, honestly. But I digress. So when he was up and coming and he was still on the popular show 21 Jump Street in the 80s, he purchased um, what he purchased that club. It was titled something else, but I'm the name's not coming to me right now, but I know he did purchase it. And it used to be mainly a rock club, and it was on the Sunset Strip. Now, Sunset Strip, you know, I mean, you hear a lot of things about Hollyweird, Los Angeles, the city of Los Angeles, you hear a lot. So he bought on the Sunset Strip, and um, he basically bought the club and made it for his A-lister friends. So we're talking about, like, what's eating Gilbert Grape? Like, we're talking about Leonardo. We're talking about Brad. We're talking about um, Toby Maguire when he was younger. We're talking about the Phoenix Brothers. We're talking about rock bands. We're talking about um, Kate Moss when he was dating Kate Moss at that time. We're talking about that group of like that, that group of young Hollywood. Also, it had really bad, really, really bad paparazzi. I would say the '90s was the start of the paparazzi just not giving a rat's ass and. Ugh, <laughs> like they were really like terrible and like really 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 bad really bad what also was cool about it is that um the creator of the pussycat dolls just so y'all know the pussycat dolls if you're a true fan of the pussycat dolls what y'all need to know about the pussycat dolls is that with the pussycat dolls i can't get enough of saying pussycat Pussy pussy con, pussy pussy cat con, pussy pussy con, pussy pussy cat con, pussy pussy cat con. Anyway, anyway, so with the creator of the Pussycat doll, she started off a burlesque show and she started it off with Christina Applegate at the Viper Room. Now, for those who don't know, Christina Applegate was the oldest daughter on the show Married with Children. The cute little blonde girl. So she was a part of the Pussycat Dolls original burlesque group. Now, what makes that interesting is that, you know, the girls, they interchanged every year. Or at least every time somebody wanted to branch off, they brought a new girl in. Somebody wanted to branch off, they brought a new girl in. Eventually becoming the top chart-selling international singing group, the Pussycat Dolls with Nicole Schwarzenegger and everybody that, and everybody that we know that is from the Pussycat Dolls. Now, in the episode, it kind of gets a little bit dreary because you can feel the vibe because they start talking about River. And with River, with a lot of young Hollywood starlets, with a lot of people in Hollywood, they will, back then, and even now, they're just not as open with it. They're very private. But back then, they would definitely be getting intoxicated or inebriated or very 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 high off of the substances that they would use and abuse with their time off so let's say river 
before he would do that movie with Keanu Reeves. They were both so handsome in that movie. Before he did that movie, he was like, you know, high out his mind. But once he had to do a movie, he would sober up for a month. And then he would go ahead and do the movie. But once the movie was done, excuse me, once the movie was done and over with, he would go right back to, oh, like, you know, abusing drugs. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm only reason why I'm hesitating, you guys, because I'm not trying to speak badly on this um, man's name. Um, it is a tragic death and it is a cautionary tale at the same time. Like I said, the city of lost angels. So they then begin to talk about the surge of heroin in the 90s. And with that being said, which amazed me because you still had coke. And you still had crack in the 90s, but heroin made a bigger surge. So, that being said, it was one night they described it. River, he was back. He was still abusing drugs. He was back, and he took a drink of something, and it felt like something was in it. So, he wasn't feeling good at all. And I think, not I think, I'm sorry. He took a shot after that he walked through the club and before he took that shot he you know pricked the needle inserted it got a little surge of heroin in his body he took a shot and that was like the end all and then um you know people would see him before he before the night of his passing people would see him really passed out high as hell like zombified and you know they're like oh my god that's river phoenix wow i can't believe it instead of helping him you know back then people just turned a blind eye and this is why a lot of our favorites are no longer with us so unfortunately that night that he did pass away he passed away of a overdose of many things and for those who want to I give it a cautionary honestly because the main thing you know from this episode or main thing you hear throughout this episode is his brother Joaquin Phoenix calling for an ambulance panicking because he's looking at his brother his brother is like dying in front of him and god forbid that ever happened to me but I would definitely be panicking cursing people out telling them get the fucking ambulance on the way right now ASAP quickly if I saw my brother Pat like literally his life passing in front of me so after that had happened when river phoenix passed away of an overdose after that happened the viper room's popularity dumbed down not because of just that but because of it was a cautionary tale like there's a lot of heroin going in on this club in these clubs there's a lot of drugs circulating in these clubs this drug literally killed my friend my friend is now gone um and eventually in 2004 because this is when johnny became captain jack sparrow this is when johnny was doing willy wonka this is when johnny's movie career really really skyrocketed when he was getting that disney money oh yeah so he eventually closed down the doors and he you know just left the viper room where it was I will say a lot of people were saying in that episode that it will never be like how it was. And of course not. How everything is today, by the way, 
and nothing will ever be how it was. Like me going home from school, watching 106 in Park while doing my homework, that will never be the same for when my kids come around. Never. That'll never happen for them. And it's unfortunate. You know, same thing how if my older cousins were to come home from school and they sit and watching Disney Afternoon in 95 and 96 or some shit. That'll never happen for their kids again. You get what I'm saying? So, um, those are the first two episodes. We're going to take a little break and then we're going to come back and discuss episode three and four. I wish they should be really good. So, episode three, I'm going to give you all a little snippet, is TV for Teens. And then episode four, bitch, is called Killing Over Beanie Babies. I gave it that title because that's what niggas was doing. But it's really called Beanie Babies or Bust. Like, girl. Girl, chap. Anyway, we're going to go on to a quick little break. Welcome back. I swear to God, I really miss regular show. Yayers! Yayers! I really miss that show, you guys. I really, really do, honestly. So, anyway. Ignore that, please. <laughs> um, so, as I was saying before we went on a little break. We are going to be talking about episodes three and four in this segment. This is going to be a long episode, y'all. I hope y'all ready. It's literally a review, and I'm gonna. It's gonna be as however long as I want it to be. And this is a bonus episode. It's a bonus. I'm doing reviews now for my bonus episodes. Bonus episodes are gonna be reviews. That's that. That's on period. It is what it is. Anyway, so episode three. Let me give you guys a synopsis before I go ahead and go in on it. Before I go ahead, go in on it. What you want to do about that? Cut that shit. If you want to get with it, get with it, get it. So basically, it's the story of how the upstart Fox Network forever changed television. Plain and simple, right? It, 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 that's really all it is. So before 1987... TV only had these three specific networks to work with. Notice how now we have so many channels. Just a thing. In my generation, I'm going to say, because I know if anybody who's older or who lived past or lived before the 80s and 70s, you know, they, re- they really know it. So they've seen shit change. They were so excited with 99 channels. They were so excited. I'm like, 99? 99 files has about 10,000? <laughs> Shit, me! I can go to channel 300, then go to channel um 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 5,000. 500 or something for the movie channels. I think I haven't really used files in a minute. I've just been streaming old clips of Dance Moms and uh, listening to music and, uh, you know, looking up birthday ideas. By the way, March 3rd, bitches. 25 in this, in this bitch. Y'all know what I meant. I stumbled. I don't give a fuck. I don't give a fuck. Miss Gabby! <laughs> I don't give a fuck. <laughs> who knows who didn't see that clip? That clip's so funny. Oh my god. Anyway. Anyway, back to regularly scheduled programming. So it only had three stations. So TV only had three three stations. You had ABC, CBS, NBC. That was it. That was it. That was it. 
It had nothing else but those three. Wow, I would have been bored. I see why people was always outside. Ain't nothing on TV. What the hell am I watch? The hell? Anyway, so on April 5th, 1987, Fox Network is born. And around this time with Fox Network was the underdog. Nobody was checking for Fox. Fox? The fuck is a Fox? Who the hell is Fox? It's all about ABC, CBS, and NBC. What the hell is a Fox? Channel 7, Channel 2, and Channel 4, as I know it. So, the Fox Network airs three shows. The first one is the Tracy Allman Show. And then the second one is Married with Children, like I said. And then it airs a show from within a show, because for those who don't know, The Simpsons was a little short cartoon skit from the Tracy Allman show that became the big hit that it is and is still running 30 plus years later. Jesus Christ. I guess y'all really love The Simpsons. The Simpsons is funny though. They have a thing for everything. I mean, shout out to Tunerific Reek because I mean, I would have never saw The Simpsons to be that funny like I like like it was to be continuously going for 30 plus years as it is. My show is Bob's Burgers. Bob's Burgers is a good show. Anyway, I digress. So, The Simpsons was the first cartoon animated show, excuse me, the first animated show to appear on primetime since the Flintstones in the 60s. So what is that? That's a 20 year gap. A 20 year gap between each other, but still like groundbreaking because no other no other station was doing that but fox you know fox has their um if it's still called that i think it is their animation domination sundays you get what i'm saying so they're still doing it um all thanks to what the simpsons made fox become a platform for adult animated shows at the time that it was on so, The Simpsons started to air on Thursdays, competing for The Cosby Show, competing with The Cosby Show at that time. So, no other show was on the level like The Cosby Show. Like, The Cosby Show was that show. Like, Cosby Show was literally the show. Everybody sat around their televisions, gathered around, and tuned in to watch every Thursday night. Now, every other TV station knew up Cosby Show got Thursdays, that's that. Until Fox came around and said, um, we can put The Simpsons on there too. I mean, different network. Hmm. And I think on opening night for The Simpsons, they surpassed The Cosby Show on opening night. Which is very, very interesting. Very, very interesting, I should say. Now, we're going to go even deeper because the episode for episode three was literally called TV for Teens. And another thing that was groundbreaking about the Fox Network being so new is that it captivated the eyes of the young watchers regarding teenagers. So, first up, in 1990... 
we have one of my favorite 90s shows that I do enjoy watching, which was 9021, Beverly Hills 90210. And honestly, y'all, I looked at the first season. I was, I, when I was younger, I was kind of gagged. I was like, oh. oh, so they talked about all of this shit. Okay. Okay. You know? And it was, of course, created by Aaron Spelling. For those who don't know who Aaron Spelling is, I'll be glad to tell you. Aaron Spelling is basically not only the father of Tori Spelling, but he is and was the man for TV. Like, he created shows such as Charlie's Angels. He created shows, produced shows that were really big at the time. Charlie's Angels is the one I could think of off-rip. Like, off the top of my head, Charlie's Angels. Hands down. No doubt about it. So, that being said, he created, along with Darren Starr, he created Beverly Hills 90210. And this was, this is what made Fox become, like, the top dog. Like, yeah, we here now. This is what made people turn their heads and be like, who the hell is Fox? Because if you think about it, with TV stations that don't really have a big name behind them or just shows like, oh, Married with Children, okay, that's funny, yeah. Oh, The Simpsons, yeah, that, that, that's funny, yeah, yeah, cool. And, you know, um, Tracy Alderman, yeah, that's cute, that's cute. I don't think it's going to last long, but it's cute. But then when you have Aaron Spelling coming in and saying, no, nah, let's do this show, now it's just like... They got Aaron who? Charlie's Angels, Aaron Spelling. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Let's see what they're talking about. So, also, at the same time that Beverly Hills 90210 came out, the Gulf War happened. And this making it the Gulf War becoming the first ever televised war live on television. Like, this is the first ever time America is seeing a war happen right in front of their eyes i know y'all here squirting is literally me oiling my scalp i don't want to i don't want y'all to keep hearing pats and shit like um my my, my. anyway i'm so huh. <laughs> you know you just gotta get in there anyway so beverly hills what made beverly hills 90210 so great or at least so noticeable was because one, it was the first relatable teen show that talked about certain things that no other show had talked about. Like, for instance, when you think of the facts of life and you think of Miss Garrett and her girls, right? You think of Miss Garrett and her girls, you're like, oh, well, they talked about losing their virginity. They never showed losing their virginity. They showed Brenda losing her virginity to um Luke Perry's character. They showed that shit. They also showed Kelly, the blonde girl who I love. They also showed her going through a cocaine addiction. They also showed um Luke Perry's character, Dylan, excuse me, that's the name. Dylan going through an alcohol addiction. They showed it all within the show. They showed everything. So it was just something different. And once 
and the only other show that once they were done televising the Gulf War, they would show that right after. So kids would tune in, rush home, and be like, oh my God, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen between Brendan and Dylan? What's going to happen between Andrea and Brendan? You know? And things like that. Oh, what's Kelly going to do with what's his name? Oh, how's Tori going to end up doing this, that, and the third? So after the Gulf War had ended, Fox also released shows like In Living Color and the first reality TV show, Cops. So with that being said, I'm sorry, my um best friend's calling me. Gotta tell him I'm recording. Gotta tell him that child. Anyway, so they released the show Cops, and they released the show in Living Color, which was basically Fox's way of saying, we really here now. Now, Saturday Night Live, we coming for you, because you got to look at us now. Because if we really going to talk about it, I mean, in Living Color definitely set the tone and definitely, like, let us know, um, yeah, Saturday Night Live isn't the only place that got good comedians. So, there's that. Um, and then they also released, this was Once in Living Color and Cops came out. So, this is the lineup. So, you had Beverly Hills. You had The Simpsons. You had Married with Children. Um, you had Cops. Now, you have The Heights, which didn't last long. That was one of Fox's first busts. It didn't last long. But... You still had the spinoff of Beverly Hills 90210, which is Melrose Place, and you had the first edition of Party of Five. Now, Party of Five was something different because within the title, you think it's about to be, you know, kids partying it up. Yeah. Whole time, it was five siblings who had to show and prove that they were able to take care of themselves with the help of each other without being separated from the foster care system because their older brother, there was only one oldest one who was over 18. So that being said, you, you, you get what I'm saying. That being said, you already know. And that ended up winning an Emmy. So around this time where party of five came out now fox is becoming the emmy one like the emmy winning award network with their shows now abc's trying to throw out shows cbs nbc they're trying to throw out shows and then once fox became what it was and once fox became that girl that's when all the other networks started coming to form so now Instead of just having ABC, NBC, CBS, and now Fox, the four, we're also going to have HBO. We're also going to have FX. We're also going to have, um, shit, I mean, A&E Network. We're also going to have Lifetime. We're also going to have all these other channels that now, excuse me, everybody can watch from. You just don't have to watch from us four, but you can watch from everybody else. Right? Right. And that was basically the episode just talking about TV for teens. I mean, everybody at that time was bored. You know, you ain't have nothing better to do. Um, 
he really didn't. I mean, internet was just becoming a thing. Really, they have nothing else better to do. And now the next one. <laughs> the next one is the episode for Beanie Babies or Bust. Let's just say the bullets I have for this episode that I put down was child with murky niggas for Beanie Babies. Girl, that's the episode. And they was robbing Happy Meals for tiny Beanie Babies. And this is true. Now, fun fact. I do actually remember when they brought Beanie Babies back. I do remember McDonald's giving us little Beanie Baby bags. I do remember that. I do. It wasn't the craze, but I do remember. Now, let's talk about Beanie Babies okay let's talk about beanie babies so beanie babies was basically beanie babies beanie babies <laughs> excuse me y'all beanie babies was basically about these cute little bean bag stuffed animals for those who you know don't know get to know it you know it's just it's beanie babies so anyway as i as i digress for some reason they were like this huge thing they were cute they had names and everything they had poems inside of their tie tags and that's who created them the tie company now it was this white guy suburban dad and you know he was just creating these beanie babies and one of his workers at the time, she was fresh out of college and she knew a little thing or two about the internet and making an actual website. So she made a website for the Beanie Babies and then it became a forum. And thus, you know, with the help of her younger brother who was a senior in high school, it became a forum where people could talk about, you know, Beanie Babies and stuff, but then it became too inappropriate. So the head of Ty decided, nope, we're gonna shut this down because they're not even talking about my Beanie Babies. So, at first, you would see Beanie Babies at like mom and pop shops, uh, discount bargain bins and stuff like that. Like, hey, oh, Beanie Babies. And then out of freaking nowhere, out of nowhere, <coughs> out of nowhere, it became a fight to the death for these Beanie Babies, girl. Like, I'm looking at the video, I'm like, Oh my god. So, if you didn't have one, they became like collector's items. They became collectibles. They became like, if you don't have this Beanie Baby, then are you really a true Beanie Baby collector? So much to a point where it was like, one of the women on there, um, she made a magazine for Beanie Babies. These suburban moms, they have shit better else to do, child. Um, moms would basically make it a thing with their kids. Hey, let's go to the store. Let's go get some Beanie Babies. You know? So, that was going on. And then everybody... It was a, it was a big craze to a point where they became really big in the stock market. This is where it gets... This is where it takes a turn. Because not only now are they collectibles... And so now, if I don't have this one, I want this one. I was looking for this one. Now, not only is it now not just for children to collect, it's really for 
the moms and the adults and everything else because there's a few people that are not only buying them, they're investing in the Beanie Baby stock. They're investing in it now. So now money's involved. Now they're just not mom and pop bargain bins. Like literally if UPS was delivering a package of Beanie Babies to a store, they'd have to take the Thai logo off the boxes so they won't get bombarded. People were so... I would say this, to me, was the start of impulsiveness among shoppers. Like, you know how on Black Friday you hear people, um, back then when the world was open, you would hear people pushing old women out the way, tramp, uh, uh, stampeding, stepping on, trampling on this amount of people just to get this amount of thing and everything. Bull crap. So this was the start of it. You're bombarding people. You're trying to get your beanie babies. You're trying, you're trying, you're trying. It's like, oh shit, bitch. These motherfuckers are reckless. Oh my God. Look at these crazy motherfuckers. Oh my God. So then they partnered up with McDonald's. It's sad when it's sad to laugh at it, but it's it's sad in a dark, humorous way. Like, really? For these tiny-ass beanie babies, y'all was really robbing niggas for their Happy Meals? Happy Meals? <laughs> Bitches is getting canes in for Happy Meals? Nah. Just nuggets. So, anyway, back to the whole beanie baby ordeal. So, that being said, the money was right. People were investing in the beanie babies. And website was booming. Everything was booming. Everything was going great. Everything's going fine. They was it, it was so beanie babies were such a big thing. They were bringing in counterfeit beanie babies from Beijing, China, and they had to reprimand at least what they said, and that was four hundred. But I'm pretty sure it was over a thousand because if it's a package of seizing fake beanie babies, really. And one day the creator just decides to be like this is the Y2K now coming into the late 90s like literally the year 2000 Y2K you sit up here and think about it like this and you're like you like people are thinking the world's gonna end people think the computers are gonna bullshit everybody's on 100 everybody's on go nothing freaking happened nothing happened we're here 20 goddamn two years later and nothing happened I digress. So, literally, the creator of Thai, Beanie Babies, says to his consumers that officially, after December 31st, oh, excuse me, 11.59 p.m. 1999, I will be discontinuing Beanie Babies, and there will be no more Beanie Babies. Right, right. Everybody's running and losing their mind like a chicken with his head cut off. Because it's like, huh? No more Beanie Babies. That means not only is it bad for originally the kids. The kids love them. But now parents and adults who have invested their savings and their money into Beanie Babies. Child, ain't, ain't gonna be no more stocks in Beanie Babies. Beanie Babies not gonna be worth anything by this time next year. Literally in the next few weeks. So he brings out the end bear. And child, he was gelling and fooling everyone. Tro- basically trolling them because literally January 1st, 2000, he releases 
a new beginning of Beanie Babies. And everybody felt gypped. Everybody's like, oh, it's just a scheme, it's a scam, you scammed us out of our money. I'm like, you literally bought Beanie Babies. Like, what do you expect? You bought Beanie Babies and thinking that this was going to be your future. But at the same time, if I didn't have a cell phone at that time, I would have thought the same thing. <laughs> Don't believe the hype, bitches, the fuck? Anyway. <laughs> so in the early 2000s, the creator of Ty, he gets summoned, meaning he was arrested on um, by the IRS for having not paying taxes. And he had $100 million saved in his bank account. Basically letting them know, like, uh, since I had my money, I can't, I had my money, honey. Can't say the same about you, Miss Carol. But the judge only gave him two years summon because he was a charity giver, so. There was that. Girl, overall, somebody died for the Beanie Babies. They was trying to do a shipping, and then, and then somebody just shot him. And now he's still in jail for murder because he's shot. Now he got to think about that. You're in jail for murder for a beanie baby. But like I said, if I was born in the early 90s and I saw the hype around beanie babies, yeah. Yeah, I'd be pretty damn. (laughs) I'd be like that too. So, um... I'm going to talk about a little bit about episode five because I'm basically like over the limit. It's going to be a two-parter episode. So I will be releasing this episode tomorrow. Exactly. And then I will be releasing part two to this episode probably Wednesday. I promise. And yeah. But until then, we're going to take a little bit of a break. And I will be right back with y'all to rock with y'all. Okay? Talk about it. Talk about it. As y'all can tell by the music playing in the background, this is literally what the next episode was about. For those who don't know this song, it's the one Nirvana hit that everybody knows that if you don't listen to Nirvana like that you know this one which is Smells Like Teen Spirit and it's from the whatever album I believe right Nevermind it's from the Nevermind album excuse me and the next episode was just talking about the grunge era and with the grunge era being what it was it was a big thing. So this is my shit. The part, you know, the buildup's the best part. I don't care. Hold on. Anyway, I'm sorry, but that part is the best part. That builds up. So in the 90s, late 80s, Nobody cared for Seattle. No, like, seriously, what the hell was Seattle? Like, Starbucks was just an average coffee shop, and it rained. They literally have record reports of it raining three months in one year, straight, no sunshine. 
Nobody cared for Seattle until the record label Sub Pop came out and they started signing these three groups. One of them, Mud Honey and um, Nirvana, of course. Now, Nirvana didn't stay with Sub Pop. They went on to another company, just like most of them did. But at the same time, with Sub Pop, Sub Pop was just like the start of the grunge labels. Like, this is the one label that cared about the grunge artists in the grunge era. Now, once Nirvana came out, grunge became huge. Grunge was introduced to the fashion world. Grunge was introduced to all the kids. You had the mosh pits going. You just had everything going crazy and wild and stupid. Now... Unfortunately, we all know the ending of what happened. Really, the to me, grunge was still around, but it wasn't at its height like it was in the early 90s. Because once Kurt Cobain um, took his own life on that faithful day, which I cannot think of right now, but I heard stories about it and it was very sad. And just the epitome of grunge music kind of went under the radar and then that's when we got the pop surge like the pop not even the british pop like just the pop invasion 98 degrees backstreet nsync we got everybody coming through the water you know so that being said the episode i don't listen to grunge music like that I know about it. I just don't listen to it like that as much. Um, I will say as I got older, I listened to like, I call it angry rap, where the rappers and artists are influenced by grunge and rock and roll type shit. So I will say I appreciate the artwork and the artistry behind it. And the emotion. I mean, think about it. You hear this nigga? Then he screams, right? Not yet, but he does scream. I know he screams. Yeah. And in his short and even so, what made it sad for Kirk's passing is because one, he ended up taking his own life. And Two, he just had a daughter with Courtney Love. And just knowing, and his daughter wasn't even one yet. Or I think she was. She was a baby, for sure. So that's what really broke the hearts of the grunge era. And it felt like the kids who were misunderstood and who weren't listened to and who weren't, you know, and who were different from everybody else, their leader had fallen. It's like, now what do we do? Because everybody in the industry was banking off of grunge. Everybody. They talked about that plenty. Everybody in the industry was banking off of grunge music. And that doesn't surprise me. At all. It really doesn't. 
Um, but that was the episode, just the grunge era. I'm sorry I couldn't really give y'all much on it, but rest in peace to Kurt Cobain. Sub Pop is still alive and well. They're basically credited to be the start of the grunge era where they got their props at from overseas. Like, even the UK was on it. And once the UK got on Sub Pop, that's when America was like, well, who's Sub Pop? So, um... That's all I really have for this part one of the episode because the next five episodes are going to be even better. So I talked about Trash TV, The Viper Room, TV for Teens, Beanie Babies Go Bust, and Grunge in the Seattle Sound. That was the title of episode five. And the next five episodes that I will be talking about are even more interesting because you got episode six was Baywatch, Sex Sells. A Tale of Two Cults, Hip Hop, the East versus West Media War, Secrets of the Runway, which is involving the modeling world. That was a really great episode. And the last one, Internet 1.0, Don't Believe the Hype. So this episode, I promise, will be uploaded by the end of the day. It will be up and running since you whores don't know how to act. But I love you whores. You guys are my whores, hookers, friends to the end. Heidi Ho, ha, ha, ha. Thank you for tuning in to my first ever bonus episode of my podcast. I hope to see you guys soon. I will be doing plenty more bonus episodes, which will really be just reviews on things that I watched and listened to. And then other episodes will just go right into the basics, you know. But this one, I want to do something different, something fun for me. And hopefully it's something fun that y'all will listen to while you're listening to me, you know. So I thank you so, so, so very much. I appreciate you guys always tuning into my channel. Thanks for coming into my channel. Thank you so, 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 so much. I really want to give a big up to Man's Not Hot. Okay? Ciao, bruv. Because I really couldn't do this without any of you guys. All of you guys really make it hard for me or really make it easy for me to do this, to get up every day and to keep pushing and keep thriving and keep, keep going. Just so you guys can have the best content out here in the UK. Alright, <laughs> but for real, I'm done. Cut and print, y'all. Cut and print. I love y'all daily. See you soon for part two.